If you want to protect yourself, get a double barrel shotgun. If there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here, put that double barrel shotgun and fire two blasts. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to, you don't need an AR-15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use, and in fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. Buy a shotgun. So in the intro there, I had former Vice President Joe Biden explaining to an inquiring woman that a double-barreled 12-gauge shotgun is her best solution for home defense. That clip is from a larger interview in early 2013, and I didn't mean to play it to make fun of Mr. Biden. I actually feel that what he said is well representative of how many Americans feel about home defense guns. That a shotgun is the best option due to its power and intimidation, and something more controversial, like an AR-15 and slash or high-capacity magazine-fed weapon, is either overkill or, in fact, disadvantageous, for various reasons. Obviously, a double-barrel shotgun that has just been emptied into the air, as a warning, is not the most tactical home defense solution available today. I think that rhetoric was mostly a relic of Joe's upbringing in Delaware in the 1950s. With that said, I hear from many people on both sides of the pro and anti-gun spectrum that a pump-action 12-gauge should be considered the go-to for home defense. It's easy to use, intimidating to the bad guy, and packs a major punch. There's also a common belief that judicious marksmanship isn't required with a firearm that produces a wide spread with each shot. You you don't need to waste time aiming when the buckshot will fill the hallway, in theory. As you might tell from the tone and from the title of this episode, I pretty strongly disagree with all of this. There is a place for shotguns in the modern world, and we will discuss that. But not only do I not consider the shotgun to be the optimal home defense gun, I don't even consider it to be a decent or, dare I say, acceptable tool for the job. I also feel that the misinformation trend surrounding shotguns is quite dangerous. Just as the vice president shouldn't be telling people to fire warning shots, which are often illegal and always a bad idea, I'm equally concerned about the gun community telling new owners and themselves that shooting buckshot without aiming is a good idea. First, I want to make very clear that I'm not going to spend the whole episode ranting that shotguns are just useless antiques or anything crazy like that. Shotguns are wonderfully versatile firearms that have a wide range of possible applications. That's why they've been around so long. Just about any shooting sport out there has some type of space or category for a shotgun of some sort or another. Whether it's dedicated shotgun sports like skeet or trap or shooting clays, uh, whether it's hunting birds or even ground game, and practical shooting sports like three-gun all have roles that shotguns are meant to fill. With so many different designs, ammo types, sight pictures, and more, shotguns really are kind of the ultimate chameleon gun. You can make one work for whatever you need it to do. I don't own a shotgun at the moment, but I have to say I'm quite tempted by the clay shooting range that is next to one of my local rifle ranges. I've always thought busting clays was kind of a posh sport. It's like the country club golfing of the shooting world. But I am intrigued by kind of the chaotic variety of something like sporting clays. Even though the concept is the same each time you shoot, you're shooting to drop clay targets as they're tossed in the air. The constant variance of trajectories, angles, speed, and target sizes, they do interest me. It's a fun challenge. Unfortunately, a good clay shotgun is pretty expensive, and I've always been adverse to investing in a firearm or any other tool that I'll only be using for one task. 
I share Chef Alton Brown's disdain for unitaskers. And while shotguns as a whole are certainly not unitaskers, shotguns made specifically to excel at something like clay shooting, those are. Back to home defense. There are a few core factors that must be considered with any home defense weapon. In my mind, those are ease of use, effect on target, overpenetration, and continuity of fire, which is basically how long the weapon can be in the fight with no external assistance, uh, something we can't rely on in a home defense scenario. And I list those in no particular order, and I'm probably not even going to follow that order as I go through all this. So for most people, pistols are the automatic go-to for home defense because many people that own guns only have one gun. If they do, it's usually a pistol. So it kind of defaults to be the home defense role if that role is being filled by a gun at all. Shotguns are the second choice for most, and rifles and carbines share a distant third place. Now, I have no particular beef with pistols for home defense. I think they work fine for that. Pistols are a bit tough to shoot, especially rapidly, if you don't have extensive and recent practice with them, but they are fairly easy to present and fire, especially the newer generations of magazine-fed pistols that tend to lack external safeties and hammers. Um, thanks to modern ammo development, you don't need to go crazy with the pistol caliber. A 9mm semi-automatic, like a Glock 19 or 17, would have more than enough power and capacity to end most home defense threats in the right hands. Shot placement is always key, but modern 9mm defensive loads meet that required baseline for effect on target, and you'll usually have enough of those rounds in the magazine so that one of those hits will stop the threat. There is a penetration concern with pistol rounds, especially if you're shooting full metal jacket instead of the more defensive-oriented jacketed hollow-point ammo available today. Many don't know this, but pretty much any centerfire pistol round will travel through quite a bit of drywall and other soft construction materials before running out of energy. Shotguns, while probably the second most popular tool for home defense, are the tool I hear recommended the most for someone looking to set up a firearm specifically for home defense. What I typically hear or read is that the sound of a pump-action shotgun being pumped will scare most bad guys out of or away from the house. And if that doesn't deal with them, one blast of buckshot certainly will. There's typically very little discussion about capacity, as repeated shots aren't typically viewed by this audience as necessary. After all, if buckshot will spread to span the width of the bad guy's torso, how could you need a second shot? You're not going to miss on that first try, and, and if you do, you need more time at the range. At least that's the kind of stereotypical logic behind the defensive shotgun. That last point is where I'd kind of like to start on why shotguns are actually quite terrible for home defense. You see, the whole concept of spread is in fact a very old and pervasive myth. The reality is that at 10 yards, the spread of buckshot will only span about a fist size. Adjusting barrel lengths and choke tubes and load types can open or close that shot pattern a bit, but nowhere near the Hollywood zombie movie levels of wide open spread right out of the barrel. While this fist size group is of course bigger on paper than a single bullet hole is, it's still nowhere near outside of the margin of error that proper aiming and firing fundamentals is meant to minimize. You can, and often will, miss with a shotgun, even in the closest defensive distances. But suppose you do hit on the first try. You know, I'm wrong, and your uncle's right, and you didn't even have to aim before filling the bad guy with a single shot from your pump-action punk buster. If you're using number four buckshot or similar, chances are as good that you'll stop the target with that first shot as they are with most centerfire rifle cartridges. That is to say, it's fairly likely, well, never a sure thing. 
If you're using double lot buck, the odds are improved slightly, but my condolences to your shoulder after having to absorb that kick. If you're using birdshot, which to this day I still hear recommended on the basis of reducing penetration, the odds walk back the other way into unfavorable territory in terms of reliable effect on target. Tests and live reports have shown again and again that birdshot will not reliably stop a human threat no matter how many times you intend to fire on it. It's for birds, not predators. So, if a shotgun loaded with buckshot is as likely to stop a threat as a rifle is on the first shot, why did I even mention continuity of fire before? Why does it matter? Well, two reasons, both related to probability. With either weapon, there's no guarantee that you'll hit the target on the first try. And if you do, there's no guarantee you'll stop the target on the first try. In home defense, we're not dealing with a clay pigeon that will dutifully explode on a successful hit. We're dealing with humans, usually. And human anatomy is a bit more complicated than that. The motivations of many intruders are more complicated than that. You know, the motivations of many intruders will exceed that of getting hit, seeing the blood, and deciding to go home. It's not enough to hope for a hit. You have to shoot until you get hits. And it's also not enough to get hits. You have to get a hit that strikes the brain, central nervous system, or major organ. Those are the only ways to reliably stop an immediate and violent threat once it's been made clear that the threat won't be stopped by the presentation of a weapon alone. So, now that we've exhaustively covered the need for continuity of fire, how does the pump shotgun stack up in that category? As you might already know, most pump guns on the market have a tube magazine under the barrel designed to hold somewhere between three and five shells. You might keep one more in the chamber, but then you don't get the chance to scare the bad guy away by alerting them with that loud racking of a pump action. Some models and configurations will have extended tubes allowing you to keep up to eight shells at the ready, and it's quite popular to keep extra shells clipped to either the stock or on the receiver opposite of the ejection port. So with all that, your available ammunition capacity with a shotgun can range somewhere between awful and almost good enough. This, of course, pales to the 15 to 20 round magazine sizes typically available for magazine-fed pistols and the 30 round standard capacity of a 5.56 chambered AR-15 or similar carbine platform. But continuity of fire, to me, involves more than just capacity. It doesn't matter how much ammo is available if you, the shooter, can't feed them through the action and the barrel quickly and consistently enough. This is, in my opinion, the absolute deal-breaker for the home defense shotgun. All forms of buckshot kick quite hard, some more than others, and none in a way that it is impossible to train around, but the kick will always be there and will always be detrimentally noticeable. It's difficult enough to maintain a sight picture and consistently squeeze off shots, especially on a moving target in a poorly lit and dynamic environment, such as a home that is being invaded. You do not need the gun you're firing to be lurching around violently in your hands when you are trying to put subsequent shots on a threatening target. To make matters even worse, pump shotguns are notorious for being easily short-stroked. That's when you pull the trigger, bang, pump the forehand back to eject the shell, then too quickly pull the forehand back to firing position. Because you were under duress and in a hurry, you didn't pump the forehand through the full length of the action and thus didn't manage to chamber a second shell. The next trigger pull will be a very disappointing click instead of a bang. Very bad news in a home defense scenario and very common with shotgun operators that have not consistently trained for operating a pump-action firearm under duress. Of course, a semi-automatic shotgun helps avoid this, but frankly, semi-automatic shotguns cost much more than people considering a shotgun for home defense are typically willing to invest. 
Finally, we have overpenetration, which is not always a concern when choosing a firearm for a task, but it should be for the task of home defense. We don't want to be a victim to a violent invasion, but we also don't want to harm neighbors or other residents of the home. I don't know how mainstream media decided that an AR-15 is dangerous for home defense due to its high penetration, when in fact pistol rounds tend to be a bit worse for that, and shotguns shooting buckloads are significantly worse. Even if you hit a threat with number 4 or similarly sized buckshot, there's a very high risk of the shot exiting and continuing through the walls with enough remaining energy to cause injury or worse. So that's the home defense shotgun, oft touted as a simple and reliable threat-stopping machine, but in fact is just this big clunky wall shredder with few to no advantages over a rifle and completely lacking of the firepower you actually need if you look at firepower in a more practical sense. So by this point, I think I've hinted a few times now at what I would rather you use as your home defense weapon. A 9mm striker-fired pistol would certainly work if that's what you have to work with, but I strongly believe that an AR-15 or a similar intermediate carbine platform is the optimal home defense solution, if that's what we're looking for. If ease of use, effect on target, overpenetration, or rather the lack thereof, and continuity of fire are priorities for you in home defense as they are for me, then something like a 5.56 chambered AR would score top marks in all of those categories. You know, many new shooters look at an AR-15 and get intimidated right off the gate. They, they don't know what those levers and buttons do or how they're supposed to hold it, shoulder it, and get a sight picture. If you're familiar with the AR platform, you know that it's actually quite easy to hold sight up and shoot. And those levers and buttons are, in fact, in great places for anyone to make use of them. I especially make a point of highlighting the ease of using an AR over a shotgun for, say, smaller people with less built-out body frames, like women, elders, or disabled citizens. Many range shooters and course students that I've seen struggle to get through just a couple buckshot rounds have had no trouble emptying an entire magazine of 5.56. And look, Ma, no short-stroking. Not only does an AR bring you more ammo, but you can reliably use it all. What a concept. As we had discussed before, the potential effect on target per 5.56 round is about the same as for buckshot. This sounds weird to many people, especially those paying attention to the on-paper energy differences between the two rounds. But since shot placement in fact determines the likelihood of stoppage more than shot energy does, the two are really about the same. And since the AR has that extra continuity of fire, and tests have consistently shown a lower risk for overpenetration, there's really nothing to lose here. Now going back, my very first recorded episode of Range Talk discussed the three accessories that every fighting rifle needs. If you're going to use a rifle to defend yourself or your home, your rifle needs a bright white light, a red dot or similar optic solution, and a sling. So if you haven't already, check out that episode after you're done with this one, and I apologize in advance for the horrendous sound and editing quality in that episode. I was still learning how to podcast, and my first attempts are unfortunately still published for the world to hear. But yes, get yourself a rifle like an AR-15, get a nice bright light, a red dot like a, you know, a Trigicon MRO or an Aimpoint or a low-powered variable optic like a 1-4 to or 1-6 to power scope, and then top it all off with a good two-point sling so your home defense gun doesn't leave your possession while you're on the task of home defense. With all of that said, I am aware that ARs can cost more to set up or may still not be desirable to some people. You might even live somewhere where setting an AR-type carbine up for home defense use has been made difficult by state or local legislation. There will always still be reasons to use a home defense shotgun, whether it's budgetary or legal constraints, or simply a personal insistence. If that's where you're at, I won't try to argue out of it any further. I've made my case, 
Shortly before I recorded this episode, Clint Smith of, of uh, Thunder Ranch put out a short but sweet video on his preferred home defense shotgun. At the time of publishing this, you can still find that on YouTube if you search I Love Shotties. That's S-H-O-T-T-Y-S, apparently. Uh, Clint is president and director of Thunder Ranch, a world-famous training facility. He's a Vietnam War and law enforcement veteran and an honest, down-to-earth defensive shooting expert. He knows his stuff, and he doesn't mince words, so bear with him through a couple minutes, and he'll show you his shotgun uh, setup. Long story short, even though it's only a two-minute video, and I still think you should watch it as soon as you can, Clint's home defense shotgun is a Mossberg 590 Tactical, so a pump-action shotgun with a short buttstock and an ambidextrous safety. Very affordable, and those are all very important features for a practical and reliable defensive shooting. He added spare ammo on the receiver, a white light on the forend, and a two-point sling. This is exactly the setup I was planning on outlining in more detail at the end of this episode, but Clint saved me the trouble by just showing you on video rather than me having to try and illustrate it with audio alone. I think Clint might be more of a defensive shotgun advocate than I am, but if you're in more agreement with him than you are with me on this, I understand, and I hope you'll take his advice for your home defense shotgun setup. Anyway, that's all I have for you this week. Thanks again for bearing with me through another rant. If you've been listening for a while or you're just now tuning in, uh, we'd appreciate it either way if you could take a brief minute to leave Range Talk a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. If you think your shotgun setup doesn't deserve my hate, just hate me back on Twitter using the hashtag Range Talk. If not, stay safe, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>